welcome to the podcast of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. We are training coaches and coaching leaders because we know that only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Because we care and we want you to reach your full potential, we coach you to choose life-giving reactions to the warning lights that show up on the dashboard of your life. Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, we believe that steering people towards God drives them into the life they can't wait to live. In this episode, I'll define sin and show you the biblical way to help a coachee put it behind them. Now, this may be one of the most politically incorrect topics we ever cover as we discuss spiritual coaching, the the topic of sin. Uh, Spiritual coaches need to Uh, be ready to speak biblically to this question. And in this podcast, I'm going to give you framework for that discussion. You know, every wound you ever receive has sin behind it in one way or another. Uh, It's the sin against us and possibly the sin of our response. Every wounded heart is touched by sin. It'll be hard for people to accept that they sinned when they chose the only option that they saw in front of them. When, when as a kid, the only way to protect themselves from hurt was nonetheless agreement with a lie or a liar. It will be even harder for them to see it when they have been an innocent victim of evil and abuse. But until they are willing to confess the sin that resides in the responses of unforgiveness and hatred and other means of numbing the pain of unwanted and undeserved hurts, they will forever be linked to it. Now, some of you are already squirming. That's okay. It's a difficult subject to tackle, uh, especially when it's connected to the subject of offense and abuse and injustice. So, what is sin? I want to begin by saying it is not what you think it is. The usual answer is, you know, immorality, injustice, violence, deception, evil, wickedness, and, you know, unrighteousness, whatever term you might want to put on it. Or or maybe sin is, is everything that is opposite of morality, goodness, kindness, compassion, mercy, love, justice. Okay, so those things are partly true, but wholly miss the point of calling something sin. When we describe sin, we're not just talking the immoral, the impure, the licentious, and the improper, the lawless, you know, which things are more, more, more clearly wrong. We're also talking about things that are unapproved, unsanctioned, independent, rebellious, stubborn, uncooperative, and unauthorized. You may be a very moral person, and you may be a very conscientious, uh, upright, religious, honest person. That gives no thought to whether or not God approves of how you run your life. If you go from day to day without seeing, seeking God's influence, direction, and approval, well, you live a life of sin. You may be a, a principled person who, unfortunately, lives a totally unauthorized life. I have to forgive my voice here today. It's uh, not quite what it usually is. Uh, you're going, now you're doing just what you want with what God has given you. Maybe even your religion is uh, sinfully self-referenced, more for show than from serious devotion. You know, this includes people who hear what God is calling them to do and then run out and, and do it for Him and do not stick around long enough to hear the rest of the message. Um, they have received the what that God is asking them to do, but not the when and how of what God is asking. Often very zealous people who love God very much, but have not grown enough in their relationship with God to wait until God is finished talking. They are sinful, they're sinning, they are rebellious, and that is sin. So it's not just something 
uh, that we might define in moral terms, it is any time we neglect God. Uh, Let's consider uh, the first sin ever recorded to teach us what the full scope of sin is. Uh, We need to begin by understanding how God created us. He made us different from all the other creatures. We are told we were made in His image, which gave us a level of intelligence and reason uh, and, and, and will that no other creature was blessed with. This was for the purpose of relationship with God. And the concept of sin is wholly designed for relational purposes. Sin breaks relationship with God. Um, righteousness protects it. Why? Well, because God is a pure being and cannot associate with impurity. So our impure and immorality and disobedience and self-centered life of unrighteousness wounds and limits and restricts our connection with God. When God set up the garden uh, for Adam and Eve, he gave them one rule that was designed to protect the friendship between humanity and God. And there was nothing moral or immoral about it. It was amoral. It was unexplained. It was an unexplained directive. Do not eat that fruit. You can have all the rest, just not that. So where is the morality in don't eat that fruit? Um, He did not mention, you know, theft or fornication or murder. And he explained nothing. He simply said, don't. God chose something that that otherwise would be completely moral and reasonable. In fact, he told them to eat the rest of the fruit. So sin, obviously, is something much more than breaking a moral directive. You can find this whole story in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, and 15 through 17, and then just read chapter 3, 1 through 24. Um, You know what I'm saying here? It sounds very much like a demand a parent might make of their kids, one that does not on its face seem wrong, just it's unexplained and no real reason is given. And what is explained makes no real sense to the kids who do not have mom and dad's experience and perspective. So from the Genesis story, we can fashion a simple two-word definition of sin. Sin is ignoring God. Conscious active rebellion or passive unconscious neglect. Both are sin. In theological terms, these are called sins of commission and sins of omission. Sins we commit and sin and and uh, so, so um, wrong things are things that we commit and good things that we omit. So sins of commission and sins of omission. Stuff we do that is wrong and the things we fail to do that are right. Jesus tells us that even people who are very religious but refuse to do God's will are lawbreakers who do not know God and are not relationally known by Him. Matthew seven twenty one through 23. Let me read that to you. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I'm going to reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Okay, so I would say that prophesying and casting out demons and doing miracles. It seems very religious. It seems to be done by people who are truly calling God their Lord. Um, But these verses and these words that Jesus speak make it clear that there's no relationship. I never knew you and that they are still breaking God's law. 
Sin is not something God thought up so he would have a good reason to zot us every now and again. It is not something he came up with out of a desire to make mankind miserable by giving them a bunch of do's and don'ts. Sin is not the creation of a mean, angry God who likes to tell people they have done something wrong. Sin is not designed to oppress and create boredom, but to lovingly protect us from ourselves. Through sin, God outlined us, outlined for us what is acceptable and what is not for our own protection. The command to not sin is not a problem as much as it is a protection. Okay? The command to not sin is not a problem as much as it is protection. God told us what will protect and deepen our relationship with Him so we don't have to guess. He told us both how to destroy a relationship with Him and how to protect and maintain and grow it. That is what sin is all about. Shoot, have you ever wondered why we have a conscience and why everyone's points the same way? Well, we were created by God with a pre-programmed compass so we would know right from wrong. God knows that living apart from Him, outside of His commands, ignoring Him, well, He knows it brings emptiness. He knows He created us to have a relationship with Him, and He knows what restricts and hinders that relationship and what protects it and grows us. So He told us. God didn't hide it. Only someone sadistic or, or just who did not want a relationship would do that and, would, and, and then punish us when we did something that he had, they had never told us not to do. You know, that's what some spouses do. Uh, I have listened as they have said words like these with all seriousness. Well, he or she should just know what I like and do not like. If they really loved me, they would know. I should not have to tell them. They should be able to read me and, and, and know me. I am not going to tell them because I want to see how much they love me. Pardon the expression, but that sort of thinking is bat crap crazy. It is also exceedingly unfair. You would have to be God himself in order to read another's mind and know what to do in order to prove your love. God knew that and thankfully did not put such unrealistic, impossible demands on us as some of these spouses do. If you would like to take this conversation deeper, refer back to podcast episode 2-2 and 2-3. That was season 2, episode 2, and season 2, episode 3. They cover the topics of holiness. God demands holiness from us. It is critical for our relationship. And, and like sin, it is probably not what you thought it is. short break to give your brain a chance to rest. Did you know that this podcast is not the only resource that we have available to help you with your own relationship with God and your spiritual coaching efforts? TwoRivers.Church backslash life coaching, don't forget the hyphen, has dozens of tools and book links to help you in your life with God and your ministry to others. You can even sign up there to get spiritual coaching for yourself with Pastor Carrie, either in person or virtually. It's a work in progress and we'll be getting a facelift soon, but it's chock full of practical content to read, watch, and listen to. Wherever you choose to interact with Pastor Carrie online, please remember to rate, like, follow, and share so that other leaders and coaches can find this helpful content. If you would like to connect with Pastor Carrie, you can go to tworivers.church backslash lifecoaching, email him at carrie at tworivers.church, or text him on Twitter or Facebook by going to at SC dashboard. All right, let's finish today's episode of the podcast. Now, uh, I need to also say that it is never sin to be wounded. You know, we may be too sensitive out of pride or fear, and, and that needs to be admitted, but the wound is just what it is, a wound. It may be the real, the result of sin, 
but is not sin. That's, that is akin to telling people they should not feel the way they do. You, you can never tell somebody that, even though their feelings flow from maybe some misjudgment or as a re- result of their own brokenness or because they did not believe uh, the heart and intentions of another were pure when indeed they were. You never tell someone not to feel as the way they do. Why? Well, because you reject when you reject another's feelings, you are actually rejecting them, all of them. Or at least that is the way it feels. This is because feelings are not choices. Not direct ones, anyway. Um, being that they come from so deep within us, and because they are more instinctive and impulsive and not directly chosen, we identify them as us. So, um, reject, disapprove, scold, or berate our feelings, and you might as well have done so to all that we are. Now, again, forgive me, I'm trying to talk around a cough drop here, so I don't cough into this microphone. Let's take that a step further. It is not necessarily a sin to cause offense. Some people will be offended no matter what we do or how we say it. Some people are easily and quickly offended, especially in today's sensitive, political, and divided culture. Not only do hurt people hurt people, but they are hurt easily themselves. Sort of like uh, a wound and a wounded and cornered animal. They're just protecting themselves. Wounded people are naturally easily wounded. As spiritual coaches, we cannot assume that everyone who has caused harm is guilty of intentional harm, or even if um, guilty of harm at all, depending on the people involved in the circumstances. Now, however, there's a however here. Every offense you cause, you should apologize for. Yes, even if you did not mean it, even if you did no wrong. If you never intended to cause harm and your motives were pure, then you should have no trouble apologizing. It may even reverse or heal their wound. If it was accidental, you should want to make it right. The point is, you offended someone. Focusing on your pure intentions and your clear conscience or the fact that they were offended only because of their perception or proclivity to offense will seldom create a willingness to forgive. Um, You caused offense, apologize. It is the least you can do to help another choose to forgive. You do not have to lie. You you tell the truth, you know. Gee, I, I never intended to harm you, but I see that I offended you, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? That's all it takes. No, it may not feel just or right, and you may feel like a victim in the end, I suppose, but help yourself and do it anyway for the sake of another's healing. It is the spiritual coach's job to teach and expect that from those we coach. Uh, A word about defining sin. Remember that any time we ignore God, leaving Him entirely out of our lives or even out of a single decision or act, it is sin. But there are specific moral standards in the Bible, there are, as well as certain sinful acts that have names. You know, things like pride and deception and lust and sensuality, rebellion and the like. But there are variations on all of them. For example, exaggeration is the sin of deception. We like to call it spin, or maybe these days marketing. But any time we intentionally mislead people, it's deceitful. Even telling the truth with the intent to cut and maim is wrong. What was I to do? I, I just told him the truth. I had to be true to myself. This and other cultural crap works in ways, works its way into Christians' thinking and worldview. A resource that all coaches should be familiar with and have on hand 
There's a list of sins in their definitions and descriptions. Uh, we provide one to our coaches, but we choose not to make it public. Uh, why, you ask? Well, because of the real possibility that true disciples will get their hands on it and have what I call a spiritual heart attack. They begin to read it and conclude they are guilty on all points. Um, while that is seldom true, it can be a tool in the devil's hand to create condemnation, and false guilt, and discouragement, and hopelessness. The tool we provide for spiritual coaches also has cross-references that show which sins tend to go with others and, and make up what I call the unholy trinity. Sin seems to come in triplets. There usually are no lone sins. They work together in support and strengthen each other, and certain sins almost need other ones in order to do their most evil. A spiritual coach should have these descriptions somewhat memorized. However, I will often read one out loud to help someone I'm coaching decide if a particular sin is something they struggle with. Naming things helps true disciples repent. For example, very few devoted Christ followers will persist in, in protesting their innocence when you identify their actions as the sin of idolatry. That name uh, often sounds and feels so awful that repentance is quick at hand. All right, When sin is discovered to us by the Holy Spirit, there are a couple things that need to take place. We're going to end with these two things here. First of all, it must be confessed. All right, Confession is agreeing with God against ourselves. It's to say the same thing about our sin that God says. It is saying that what God says is true instead of arguing or trying to cover, conceal, excuse, or justify our sin. To confess is to acknowledge. Reveal, disclose, expose, bring to light, and own up to one's wrong. Synonym would be to admit. We admit we were wrong, agreeing with his judgment of our actions instead of ignoring him. So confession is best done quickly. Anything which is shown to uh, interrupt a relationship with God, even if it does not seem to be sin, must be quickly confessed. The longer we hold on to a sin, the stronger our sympathy and agreement with it will become. And confession is best done specifically. You know, general prayers like, um, please forgive my sin, may be evidence that true sorrow is lacking. There's a big difference between being sorry for our sin and being sorry we got caught. If there is real sorrow, we will acknowledge the truth, use the embarrassing term our sin deserves, and admit we are guilty. So, um, we must confess our sin. Um, and in doing that, we ask God's forgiveness, of course. So there's a confession, confession that seeks forgiveness, and then we must correct it. Uh, two terms here I'm going to use under this second point of correcting it. Uh, repentance is the first one. Basically, it means change. Confession without repentance is no confession at all. If repentant, we will stop doing the wrong, we confess, or start doing the right thing we refuse to do. Go back and, you know, we're to go back and do the last thing you remember God telling you to do before refusing to do the thing you just admitted to. Then keep doing that thing until God shows you the next thing to do. And then you're back on track. Plainly enough, an apology that is not over time backed up by change that proves we meant when we meant it when we apologized, a confession okay, or, or confession without repentance, well, it's hollow, meaningless, and worthless. So, repent. Stop doing the thing that we say we're sorry for. Um, start doing the thing that we said we're sorry for not doing. Repent. 
Uh, and then the second word that goes along with that is restitution. Um, you can go back and listen to the previous ep- episode to fill in the blanks on this one. Just the one right before this episode. That would be um, uh, Season 3, Episode 14. This is Season 3, Episode 15. Now, that foundational understanding of sin and, and some simple steps for dealing with it in someone's life, that should get you started um, dealing with, with sin. Obviously, there's much more we could say about sin. And I trust the gospel message about God's way of covering our sin and forgiving us is known to all who've been listening to these podcasts. Next time on the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, we are ready to talk through your second session with someone after they have completed their homework assignment. for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, don't waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how to work the truth into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been yourself. We pray that God uses the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. If you are in the upstate New York area, specifically Binghamton, or are visiting or just passing through, look Pastor Carrie and myself up. We'd love to have a cup of coffee with you and chat about our dynamic relationship with God or about how to do spiritual coaching in your context. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the podcast of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard.